Welcome everyone to the Reignite Your Passion podcast. Here is Andrea and today our guest is a passionate boxer trainer and a personal trainer. Welcome Salvo Chiappetta. Hey, how's it going Andrea? It's uh, so to pronounce my name properly it's Santo Chiappetta. Santo, Santo. It, it, no worries. It happens quite a bit. Not a big deal. How are you? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> right. No worries. I, I'm passionate about my name. So we can go with that a bit too. Don't worry. We can about talk it. about a little bit about your name as well because you are Chiappetta. So it sounds like an Italian surname. I am. Yeah. My my family is from Italy. I was born in Canada though. Okay. From Italy where? Uh, Calabria. Consenza and Catanzaro. Okay, because I'm Italian. <laughs> so I'm Italian living in Greece. That's why when I saw your name, I was like, oh, I think he is Italian too, or half Italian at least. So great. What part is your family from? Okay, my family is from the south, uh, from Naples and Perugia. But I have born in, uh, I always lived all my life in Parma, is on the north. So, yeah, so I'm from Parma, really. Where are you based right now, exactly? I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay, okay. How is the temperature in Toronto? Uh, it's probably about minus three outside Celsius. And yeah, we're in, the, we're in winter, so it's cold right now. But yeah, <laughs> let's take it what we can get. Nice, nice. Okay, so let's warm up a little bit. Give us a little of a little background of yourself. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I well, grew up in Italian household. So, you know, my grandfather came here back in the 50s and brought his whole family over. Um, there, he had my father and my uh, his sister as well. So, uh, you know, my grandfather based our family out of Toronto. And, uh, you know, when my father then decided to get married, obviously he had myself and my sister as well. My sister's older than me. Um, growing up, you know, we grew up in a, you know, modest beginnings and like, you know, humble beginnings where we had, you know, uh, anything a kid could ask for. Fortunately, our parents were, you know, did a very good job of giving us a great childhood. And we're very fortunate for that, you know, making sure that we growing up recognized that, happiness is a choice and that, you know, money isn't everything, but you can make the most out of everything you have. So very fortunate to have the parents that I do have who are also very passionate individuals. Um, so grew up, mm -hmm. was able to participate in my first sport, which was martial arts. My parents had put us in uh, karate growing up. So, you know, that was sort of the first exposure I had to any sort of like sports or you know, somewhat passionate about in regards to just something that I could kind of dig into and learn and have something be different that I could also use for self-defense growing up. I think we have a lot in common because I also started, I started with judo and then karate as well. So yes, and uh, as a way to to get into the world of sports, basically. Okay, so I guess... Living with Italians, you got a lot of passion, right? hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. You know how it is. What is passion for you? So the word passion itself, uh, you know, 
the root of the word is passio, which is from a Latin word that is actually for suffering. So the root of that word suffering, you know, it's okay. It's usually something that you're willing to suffer for that you either enjoy or maybe at times don't enjoy, but you're willing to go through and work and navigate through because you're so involved in what it is that you're doing, that it's worth the pain or the discomfort or the joy or the happiness that it can also bring. So it's something for me that's on a continuum that you appreciate from different levels and times and, you know, struggles and growth that it comes, that comes out of it. Right. So passion, it's sort of something that's on a sliding scale for me of sorts. Reignite your suffering. No, I think reignite your passion sounds better for the podcast. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why no one uses the Latin language Latin. anymore, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have someone in, in your mind that, that represent passion for you? I would definitely say be my grandfather, man, for sure. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, like Italian culture, the firstborn son, my father has to name their children after their parents. So I'm named after my grandfather and also my great grandfather. I have his middle name. So, you know, growing up, my parents would be at work. I would spend time at my grandparents' place and I would spend a lot of time doing things like being in their backyard, you know, planting either tomatoes or whatever we would be doing in the backyard. And there was always a lot of passion in that because that was your food. That was something that you had to put a lot of love and care into. And uh, that passion, you know, translates into my grandfather's personality and who he was and was always very passionate about what he did, how he did it, how things were done, how you did things, because he never wanted me to do anything, you know, half-assed of sorts it was always you know you have to do this to your best ability always it has to be as best you can that's something that my parents always really instilled in me as well where it was you know if I went to school and I thought maybe I got a bad mark on a test they would ask me you know did you do your best mm-hmm. and if the answer was yes then they would tell me you know okay then there's nothing else you could have done if it was no they would say okay well then you have to have a conversation with yourself as to why you didn't do your best you know so I think my parents, my grandparents, definitely those people come through for passion for me when I think of that word. Absolutely. Could you give us a story or anything that comes up to your mind that give us, again, the idea of your grandfather's passion? Of his passion. There's, I'm pausing because there's, there's obviously a lot that I could think of. Right, So I'm trying to think of one story. Yeah, sure. Take your time. I can't put, I, I honestly can't pick one particular story because there's so many, but what I can say would be, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be either an action or a particular time. It would just be very much so a way of life that you live mm. when you're a passionate person. Right. Everything you do is not done with reckless emotion or reckless intent. It's done with the desire to execute with, you know, I don't want to say perfection, but it's done with the, the intention to execute with, to, again, to your best ability and making sure that if you were to look back on whatever you executed on, you would execute with pride. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of pride involved in making sure that, okay, so here's a story. I remember my grandfather when one year we were making, uh, you know, cured meats, we were making capicolo. Mm. And he had told me, he's like, okay, I want you to tie the knot on the string of the casing I said okay and like 
Andrea, I was like eight years old. So I'm this little kid trying to pull this string as tight as I can. He looked at me, gave me this, this look like that's not good enough and then grabbed it and then tightened this knot, maybe two, three sizes smaller than I had tightened it. And it was just, it was a mark of just like how strong he was and how, you know, even though he was much older than me, he was still able to do this thing that he was so passionate about. And I remember watching him, you know, stir the meat and preparing it. And it was just so well and so thoroughly done where it was just like, I'm putting my care into this. It's not just like I'm executing something. It was, I was putting, I was giving myself to this process that I'm giving here. It was very inspiring as, as, you know, as awkward of a story that could be, it's just, there was just something that was so, you know, so intentional with it. So. It really represents passion as a way of caring sort of mindfulness really like be totally in to the act of doing something 100% invested into a into an activity absolutely just not being anywhere else mentally other than where rights in front of you thank you for sharing that what are you passionate about right now right now i'm most passionate about uh, fulfilling the things that I want to do in life for myself that are also things that end up fulfilling other people's passions for myself as well. So for me, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, my parents gave me a fantastic childhood that I'm very fortunate to have had. And I think the only way that you can be grateful and show gratitude for your parents for giving you that is to be successful, right? The only, like they've given whatever they could during their peak of their life, of their years, their best years to give you the best that they could. So you have to give back the best that you can as a way of saying, thank you. Like your parents, sure. I'm sure parents could use money. They could use whatever, all these different things, but they just want to see their kid and know that their kid is okay. Should they have to move on? Right. So for me, the most thing I'm passionate about right now is, is my art, is my work, right? Is making sure that I help people become the best versions of themselves, that I help other men like myself become stronger, become more athletic, become more confident, you know, become comfortable with who they are in their own skin. Because there was a point in time with my life where I wasn't that way. And in doing that, I recognize how empowering that is for men to be able to do that for themselves because then they can be the leaders that they need to be for their families as well okay you mentioned that you weren't that way could yes. you expand on that a little bit more sure absolutely yeah so growing up i was very much so uh, an overweight kid so i wasn't very confident in myself uh i was definitely heavier than all my other friends you know, I had a hard time finding my voice and being able to express myself in a way that wasn't maybe rooted in emotion or anger or sadness. It was very much so challenging for me to express my emotions at times. And for me, it would be, okay, say nothing, say nothing, say nothing, explode when I was younger. And that's not obviously a healthy way to express yourself. So trying to also understand how to communicate and understand communication, you know, and recognizing 
there are different ways to communicate both verbally and non-verbally, which is also why I appreciate this Zoom because you can see on a call, the nonverbal communication that happens, you know, like now you're nodding your head. So I understand that you recognize that you're actively listening with me. Right. And that's not always the case when you have just a regular phone call with someone. So trying to better understand, you know, all of those things of myself as well. And, you know, understand how I operate, how I tick and what I do and how I interact with the world so that I can conduct myself in a way that helps others understand me to the best that I think they can understand me or speak to them in a way that I I know that they can hear me. Sure. Thank you. The passion for the martial arts, how did that passion um, improve the way you were? When I first started, first I started boxing when I was 15. So I went through karate, like I had mentioned to you. And then there was something about it that I just, I couldn't dig into. I just, I didn't find it as, uh, as fulfilling. I didn't find it as, uh, engaging. Unfortunately, I loved it. Like I, I won't say I loved it. I liked it a lot. And then I took time away from that. And then I started boxing and it was just something that I loved where it was like, okay, this is something where I can actively put into practice when we do sparring sessions. And when we compete and we have this moment of competition where it's okay, you know, let's see how good you are today at this thing, right? And let's see how this goes. And you get an opportunity to test yourself. So I feel like martial arts is an opportunity to test your discipline, to test your strength, to test your mental sharpness, to test all the things that you've been working on over a long period of time and have to show up on that day your best. So maybe that day, it's not a good day for you, but it doesn't matter. You have to put that to the side and focus on that passion and be present and mindful in the current situation. So you might have had, I don't know, you might have had a car accident on the way to your competition, but you still have to show up. And you still have to fight and you still have to execute. You still have to be focused. So it's a good way of challenging yourself to be uh, you know, present and all of these things when there's a lot of distractions available to take you away from those things too. Sure. Managing your emotions is like the number one factor to athletic achievements, but for any kind of achievement, you know, knowing, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, kind of manage that, manage the up and low and be able to actually be more or less on a balance, on your own balance, keep going no matter what. So, yeah, and rest no matter what as well, understanding and even when to rest, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, it's, I think there's often the notion that we can always do more, do more, do more, but sometimes in order to do more, we have to start by doing less first so we can allow our body to push and go further and do more. So. Great. We were exchanging some uh, you know, some messages and uh, you were you were telling me that you had to reignite your passion for boxing. So so that means I guess at some stage that fire became not as strong as it used to. So tell me about that because that is there's a big one for many athletes. I would agree. Yeah, it can definitely be challenging to uh 
get to a certain point where you want to perform and operate at a certain level. And then, you know, like anything else, life still happens, right? So when I first started competing, I was 15 years old. So when you're 15 years old, you know, you're in high school, you don't really have that many responsibilities, you know, you live at home, things are made for you, whatever, right? It's like for, this is my circumstance anyway. So it's a lot easier to go to school, go to training, sleep, come home, hang out, relax, nothing. And then, you know, as time goes on, now you have bigger responsibilities. Now I'm going to university. I'm, you know, trying to cook for myself, trying to clean for myself, these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, as you start to do that, you recognize that, okay, can I still give myself 100% the way I want to do without compromising these other areas of my life? And growing up as a man as well, there's a degree of, uh, of independence you want. There's a degree of onus that you want. You want to develop and spread your own wings and do those things too. And it's hard to do that when you're also living at home. And that's not a knock on my parents by any means. They're trying to provide for me. But at the same time, you want to be able to say, okay, I did this for myself, with myself, and also to touch back on my grandfather and what he did for himself. You know, at 26 years old, this guy went across the ocean on a boat, not knowing a language, with no money in his pocket, hoping that he could find a job going to a place he doesn't know anybody. Wow. You know, so comparison to (laughs) me at home, hopefully I can train. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not to compare either. (laughs) Where you're just like, these are two very different circumstances. And one has a lot more uh, passion and pride and purpose to it versus me not feeling quite like that. And it's their big shoes to feel like you need to fill, even though that's not the case. Right. So it can be challenging to feel like, what am I doing? You know, what is my purpose? What is my passion? And you reassess at different times of your life of what you want and how you want to be remembered and what you want to do. And I think I was battling with that a bit. And, you know, I had gone to school. I completed my education in uh, kinesiology, fitness and health promotion. So human kinetics. And, you know, I was the first one in my immediate family to be able to, to go to school and get my education. And, you know, European culture is very much so like, you got to go to school. You got to get a good job. You know, this is how you don't want to work labor. And it's like, Okay, so now I went to school, got an okay job, and you know I'm still working just like everybody else. It's not, it's not the answer, right? <laughs> so yes. it's fortunately something I'm passionate about, which makes it a lot easier. Um, but yeah, so it just life started to change. Things weren't as static as they once were, where it was my day is doing this and only this, or one or two things. It's now okay. You have these other responsibilities. You're moving out. You have to provide for yourself. Now you have to do all the basic necessities of life for yourself on top of all these passions you also want to pursue. How do you balance all of that without losing the ability to do those things that you love doing as well in the process? Because I think that when we get lost in this mundane part, the mundane parts of life that you just kind of have to go through, if we don't find times to pursue passion, then that's when we start to burn out, right? Those are things that we have to do, not necessarily things that we want to do. And there has to be a balance between the two. I totally agree. Yes. One more question that is really related to that as well. Um, 
it is a pretty challenging question to answer because everyone's situation is different. But how would you guide someone to understand when they should keep going and when they should just, you know what? That's it. Over. It's fine. Enough. I don't think that that's something that I would be the person to guide someone to that. You know, I don't have all the context in someone's life, right? right. Like, I would say if someone tells me their goal is to do something, then it's, okay, here's the plan as to how we get to that goal. Given the circumstances, is this a plan that seems adequate that we can get to that goal doing this? Yes, no, okay. If it's yes, good, we execute. If it's no, okay, how do we navigate around that? It comes down to even less about circumstance and even more about, is this really what this person wants? Because I think sometimes we can hang on to things longer than we need to for purposes of not understanding that, you know, life is like a movie or like a book. The next scene comes, the next chapter comes. And just because that one part of the book or movie has gotten you to the place where you're currently at, it doesn't mean that the rest of that story is going to get you to where you want to go. Sometimes you have to write the next part too, or else you just keep reading the same chapter over and over and over again. And that's not a very interesting book sometimes. So we have to make sure that, we are writing parts of the story that are going to get us to where we want to go. And sometimes that means, you know, like life, sometimes the relationships we have, we have to let go to go on to the next part of our life too. Right. So it's very much so something about understanding that there's closure and yes, you might grieve a certain part of your life or there has to be uh, a sort of mourning of sorts of a particular part or facet of your life, but it's not in uh in a negative way so much as it also has been beneficial for you and has helped you grow to where you currently are before you go to that next part. So if someone wants to do something, sure. Are you in that particular place to be able to do that? Let's do it. If not, why not? Are they things that are within our control or is it stuff that's outside of our control that we can't do anything about? If that's the case, how do we get you closest to that thing? Yeah, yeah. Makes me think about myself as well. Uh, when I, with my transition from being a fighter to being a coach, there was a point where being a fighter was really, really exciting. And then I felt like I changed. I have to ask myself, who am I right now and what I really want? See, someone who wants to train, someone who wants to compete, but not as, as it used to. And maybe, maybe now my focus, my excitement comes from not much about winning, but create someone that will win somehow. So yes, absolutely. I completely agree that we have to really reassess who we are and what we want. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we focus on what it is, we can, you know, from a coaching perspective, being that servant mindset first of how do I serve this person? How do I keep it client centered? What does this person want? It's not about me or what I want for this person about, it's about what this person wants for themselves and how do I help guide, you know, as a coach, we're the lighthouse in the storm. Right. You know, there's a bunch of, you know, the, the waters are crazy sometimes. How do we tell people, okay, even though everything else is crazy around us, you just got to keep going in this direction. Right. How do we navigate that person towards where they're saying they want to go? Okay. 
who was the lighthouse for you when you had, I guess you too, I'm not sure, okay, just guessing that you had this transition from being a boxer, fighters, to a coach, boxing coach and uh, personal trainer. Did you have a lighthouse as well back then, someone or something? Definitely. Yeah, you know, as much as it's my my boxing coach when I was 17 years old had told or 16 years old had told me, you know, Santo, what do you want to do when you're older? And I told him like, well, coach, I want to be a world champion. What kind of question is that? This is what I want to do. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, he's, and he had said to me, he's like, oh yeah, that's a good plan. But like, what's your plan B? Because, you know, fighting is a passion and it's a part-time thing until it becomes your full-time thing. So what is your plan? It's like, what do you want to do? And I told him, well, in a perfect world, I would love to wake up in the morning, train a few people, you know, coach, coach some people in person, train myself, and then coach a few more people in the evening. And then, you know, that would be a perfect day to me. And Andrea, like, that's my day right now, man. You know, I wake up in the morning. And this was at six. Yeah, man, this was at 16 years old. And when I realized this, you know, to be honest, Maybe about a year ago, I remember having this conversation, thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm living that life, you know, and it's, it's crazy to think. And he was the person who told me, Santa, you have to go to school. There's something else you have to do after this. It's not just, you know, there's this uh, model in Canada that we use called long-term athletic development, life after sport for an athlete. What does that look like? Right. It can't just be athletics is the only thing a person identifies with it has to be more there's more to a person than just sports right so how do we develop that for a person and he was that person who did that for me initially he was like my father will always be my first coach my boxing coach will always be my very first coach outside of my family and he's like family to me too man you know and that's what ends up happening the people who are who are outside they the good ones come inside and they become part of your family too. And from there, you know, he still checks in with me. I still check in with him. We still, you know, keep in touch and see how everybody's doing and, you know, watching his family grow and him watching me grow. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Right. It's different. It's not just a coaching relationship. It's a, it's a life relationship that you have. And that lighthouse, you know, is technically, a lighthouse that's behind me, but it's still shining light forward to help me recognize the direction that I still need to go into. And uh, yeah, I'm forever grateful for that, man. That's what a good coach will do for you. Amazing. He was your lighthouse. So I guess now you are a lighthouse for somebody else. What kind of coach do you think you are? What's unique about you? That's a good question. I So I talk a lot about the mindset behind coaching or not necessarily behind coaching, but the mindset behind the individual, you know, Andrea, like you can go online, you can find a workout program, you can find a nutrition program, you can find all these things. Like the internet is endless with all this stuff, right? I don't have to tell you what to do. You can see what to do, but why aren't you doing it? What's stopping you from doing that thing? How do we get you to step into who you want to become? You know, there's something there that, you know, whether it's either misinformation or it's a lack of self, self-love self or self-care, self-design, like what is stopping you from doing that for yourself, right? And more often than not, it's about recognizing what the truth is for people. You know, there's a degree of truth that's going to cause you to change. And 
a lot of the time when that truth shows up, people run away from it. So how do we give you the courage to step into that truth, recognize it, identify it, and change according to it and not take it personally, recognize that, okay, this is the current circumstance, but I have the power to change that. So I think more so helping individuals recognize their power in their circumstance to be able to accommodate, adjust, and, you know, step outside for a second and look at, there's a, there's a saying that the path is the goal, right? So if you're somebody who's already embarking on that path, that's the goal because you're already trying. If you're not even trying, then we have to get you to the part where you're trying first. Once you start trying, then we can start actively working on how you're going with that effort and where you're going with in that direction with it. But first we got to get you there because if you're not even there, then that's something we got to work towards, right? You have to get, you have to be willing to ask for help to be able to get yourself there first. So for me, as a coach, you know, it's about me recognizing where the person is, meeting them where they are, and pushing them forward to the direction they want to go in or the direction that they're claiming they want to go in. So listening to them and understanding, okay, you're telling me you want to do this. That sounds like you have to stop doing this. Like, are the decisions you're making as a person conducive to the goals that you're telling me? Because if you're telling me one thing that you want, but you're acting in a different way. There's a disconnect there, right? There's a behavior intention gap. So how do we close that gap? So this way your behaviors now match your intention to get you to your goals. So this way, when you don't reach your goals, it's not a surprise. But if you reach your goals, it's not a surprise because you're doing all the things that are required to do that thing. Thank you for sharing your approach because it's a very, very gentle and holistic approach, but gentle, but steady, steady and strong. So uh, I like that. Uh, I was, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, um, I feel like it's, it's very similar to the way that I was parented. Uh, my, my parents would always, you know, tell me, okay, you can do whatever you want to do, but there's choice and consequence that comes with that. So if you get too far out of line, your coach has to tell you, okay, come back over towards this side, you know, and that's what kind of keeps you in line. Your parents, as being Italian, they were very centered, <laughs> very cool and centered because my parents were just like straight to the, straight to the slap. Boom. Yeah. Don't do it again. <laughs> You've got so, your busted too. I did too, man. Don't worry. I got, I got my busted. Don't worry. <laughs> no mercy for mistakes. So yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Thank you. And I was going again, going a little bit deeper into your teaching. Like what's unique about Salvo teaching, Salvo coaching? You. So, so it's like I mentioned, um, my approach is one that is going to be helping the person recognize what is their goal, right? What do you want? Not only what do you want, but why do you want it? Because when it's, when times get hard or when time, like in a perfect scenario, you know, money's good. Work is good. Relationships are good. Everything is good. It's easy to execute these things. But when times are challenging, say you just lost your job or work isn't busy or you're having a hard time with your partner, how do we still give the level of effort that we want that brings us to the, the place that we want to be at? And that's where purpose comes into play as well. What's your purpose as a person? What's your purpose to want to approach this goal? So for me, 
right? A lot of that comes down again to mindset. So when it's mindset involved, we know exercise is helpful for, you know, depression, anxiety, all these kinds of things focus. So, and just good overall positive well-being. So if we can help you do that with exercise and help you get those endorphins and feeling better about yourself and what you're doing and initiate some sort of intention and action from, you know, intrinsically from the inside, then from there, it's a lot easier for you to take action on the outside and say, okay, I put all that shit to the side for a second. I worked on myself. Now, because I worked on myself, I can work on everything else I need to work on around me too. So it's about having the individual care for themselves and provide that self-care for within that then perpetuates more action outward to the things that they want to do. So it's not just about workouts. It's not just about eating properly. It's all centered around the same thing, which is self-care. The, the notion of filling your own cup before you can start to fill the other cups around you. You can't pour from an empty cup. Brilliant. So what's unique about your students or clients? My clients are cool people, man. I'm very fortunate to work with the people <laughs> nice. that I work with. And they, and you know, I've also in recent history said that they're also fortunate to work with me. And I think that, you know, we both recognize that it's a very much so a, a relationship that's reciprocal in the sense of, you know, they're all very high performing individuals who are, you know, cool people that recognize, okay, you know, Santo's going to call me on my nonsense. Should it be, I'm giving him some nonsense and I'm going to keep them accountable to what they do. Um, I'm very fortunate in having these people on my team, on my roster, because they're, uh, <laughs> they're fun to work with men, you know, like you can see the change in a person when they come to you first and maybe they're not feeling that great about who they are, or how they operate and how they live their lives. And then you start to watch them build confidence and start to build themselves and who they become and making better decisions for themselves and just see them, you know, subtly there's small changes but in the way they talk or in the way they they make decisions things are are a lot more uh direct a lot more uh you know they're executed with a little bit more intention it's different so right. yeah the people that i work with they're um they're either uh entrepreneurs of sorts or you know in high stress situations so either lawyers or they're in finance there are people who are you know under quite a bit of stress in a day but they still recognize the importance of having to take care of themselves. Right. And that's the most important thing. You know, if you're in a situation where all you deal with is distress, which is negative stress, and you never experience you stress, which is positive stress, then your whole life is just this bad stress. Right. So you have to be able to recognize there's a difference between the two. And one is beneficial in building you like working out and, you know, experiencing that sort of discomfort that makes all the other stress easy to tolerate and navigate or there's the other stress that's just piles on top of more distress and it, it makes it more challenging to navigate through your day and, and be successful in what you want to do you do yeah. online and in person right yeah so i do in-person training in toronto and after i also have people that i train online as well so i give them a program we go through a goal setting session. We ask them what they're looking to do, how they want to do it, why they want to do it and where they want to go with it. And then from there, we prescribe them exercise. We check in once a week for some people, twice a week for others. It depends on how 
frequent the person needs to be in contact with me. And we navigate through their either roadblocks or we navigate through their successes and you know how we can build on top of successes and build momentum with them. And from there, we use exercise, like I mentioned, to help empower them to be able to do those things and help them navigate how the choices they make in their lifestyle and their workouts are also similar to the choices that they make in their day-to-day actions as well. And how when you make choices uh, that are about your lifestyle and how you live, when you make choices that are a little bit more challenging or ones that you don't necessarily automatically do and you start to change the narrative of how you make your choices you start to build the life that you want instead of the life that you passively live so it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more engaging with life as well so amazing thank you for sharing that and i would like to end with two more questions one is an outrageous one if you had six months to live what would you want to do If I had six months to live, what would I want to do? If I had six months to live, I would. I don't know, man. I feel like what I'm doing right now isn't too bad. Like, and it's not just from like a work perspective. It's just, you know, I'm around people that always want to be around me. I'm watching people become the best versions of themselves. And, you know, I get to help them do that. So it's not a terrible place to be, you know, and uh, if it were to be, you know, say tomorrow said, okay, Santa, you have six months left, maybe see a little bit more of the world and just gain a bit more perspective that way. But that's about it, man. I mean, you know, I, I'm very much so someone who loves to be with his family and to be around my friends and, you know, just know that everybody around me is in a good place because I feel like I'm in a good place. And that's it, man. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't fear death. I don't fear the notion. Like I I very much so believe that there is more that happens after this, right? It's not just, it's not just this. And then after that's it, it's like, so, so I think, you know, we're way too complex. There's way too much in regards to the notion of consciousness and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think that it's, it's a, a one-time thing and you're done what it is. I have no idea, but you know, mm-hmm. if it were to be my, my destiny, then six months from now it's a wrap, you know, we take that information and we do what we have to do with it. So Amazing. You know, what's yeah. funny that when I ask this question, you know, the answer is always like most of the time, two things, um, helping others and travel <laughs> or funny, see right? more. Yes. Yeah, see more of the world. Yes. So that's funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think as much as we're different people, I think people forget that we're still people, <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. A lot of the times, a lot of the times it doesn't, uh, things don't change, you know, whether you're uh, dirt poor, filthy rich, somewhere in between happy, sad. Most of the time we just want to see what the world has to offer and leave a mark that's, uh, that leaves a good memory of who we are and were for anybody who remembers us. Amazing. Let's end with uh, appreciation. What are the three things you're grateful for in your life? (laughs) Definitely my family, 100%. My family, uh, my coaches or any coach that I've had in my life, definitely anybody who's, uh, you know, given me the opportunity to 
to work with them to help myself grow and become a better person, a better man. And uh, the last thing I'm most grateful for, man, is like, I'd have to say just myself, my mindset, my mindset of just recognizing that things aren't always the way they seem. And sometimes you have to be willing to, you know, my coach that I had mentioned to you, my boxing coach told me that recently he told me that the only way a sword becomes the sword is by first going into the fire. Then it gets struck hundreds of times by a hammer. So to be the best sword you can be, you first have to be forged. You have to be battle tested. You have to be given certain things in life that are challenging to become the best sword you can be. And if you don't experience that sort of discomfort, that sort of challenge, then you're never going to be a sword that's ready for war. So being able to recognize that the challenges that I've experienced in my life, whatever those are, those you know, challenging moments, those are the things that have made me and will continue to make me the best sword that I can be. Wow. I love that metaphor. Love Thanks, it. Man. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. I love the interview and was really, really powerful and insightful and inspiring. Um, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the work you're doing in the world with your, uh, with your clients, with your students. You're an inspiration. Thank you for having me. And thank you for chatting, Andrea. I, I really appreciate you asking the questions you ask because not everybody asks these kinds of questions. They're super <laughs> insightful and you know, they make you have to think. And I appreciate that. That's one of that's also something I really like to do is to sit and just think. And I think sometimes we don't get that opportunity, right? It's easier to be distracted. And we're uh, we're human beings that have the ability to think thoughts. And sometimes just thinking thoughts in itself is is the value of being a human too, and just reflecting. So, I agree. So where people can find you, so they can work with you, can follow you, can really you know, yep. uh, get in touch with you and your work. So you can find me on Instagram at santo.chapetta. So that's S-A-N-T-O dot C-H-I-A, double P is in Peter, E, double T is in Tom, A on Instagram. You can go to my website at strengthbysanto at gmail.com. Sorry, that's my, my email, strengthbysanto.com. You can email me at strengthbysanto at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Andrea's podcast too. <laughs> so you can find me... <laughs> In multiple places. Just search Santo. I'm probably the only Santo you've heard of or one of few. It's a very uh, uncommon name from the 30s. So. <laughs> <laughs> Santo. No, here in Italy is actually it's very, very common. But yes, around the world is. is yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So Santo, grazie mille. Thank you so much. And I uh, talk to you soon. Ciao. Sounds good, Paisan. Ciao. Ciao.